Welcome to the Conscious Combat Club, trauma-informed martial arts by women for women. I'm your host Georgia and I cannot wait to go on this journey with you. Please note that some listeners might find this content distressing. Take care, connect with your support networks and refer to the organisations in the show notes below. Today's episode is going to be just me. Yours truly, Georgia. Um, I'm going to be sharing my experiences of living with body image and eating disorders as we lead into Body Image and Eating Disorders Awareness Week next week. Uh, So the first week of September each year is Body Image and Eating Disorders Awareness Week. We're going to be running a special edition of the podcast for that. So keep your eyes and ears out to see that episode. Uh, But for some background context about my personal experience, I wanted to first share that uh, so that when we run that special episode, we can focus on speaking to some professionals, a psychologist and dietitian who specialize in working with eating disorders to help give you some more actionable advice um, and to deep really Um, or do a deep dive rather into the topic. This is just my experience. Okay. And my experience is very tightly interwoven with my experiences in martial arts. So today I'm going to talk about what I think were the factors leading towards me developing issues, particularly with my body image, but also with disordered eating. Um, and what were some of the things that helped me enter into what I would consider to be recovery today. So Let's start at the beginning. I first got interested in dieting. um, And I should preface this conversation today too, to say we are going to be talking about dieting and weight loss. And so I know those conversations can be triggering for some people. You might not want to listen to this story. It's not that nice. Um, So I first got interested in dieting from a friend who said that she was going on a diet um, and I was like oh maybe I also would like to go on a diet Um, and I started getting interested in Instagram fitness pages uh, like healthy recipes I started swapping out you know foods for gluten-free alternatives I started swapping out dairy for non-dairy alternatives um And then I started tracking my macros and I followed a system called if it fits your macros, where essentially you are measuring everything that you eat, you're recording it in an app and you're making sure that you stay within a limit of total calories um, and total quantities of fat, carbohydrates and protein. Um, I suppose you could say I had some success with that in that my goal was to lose weight and I did lose some weight. Um, and you know, initially I was quite happy with that. Um, still a bit of an up and down as things always are with engaging with dieting. Um, but for me, it was really when I started getting into competing in kickboxing that things got much more intense. So when I moved to Melbourne, I started training in Muay Thai Um, and that training slowly ramped up as I got more and more interested in the sport. Um, and the more that I trained, the more, um, that I also got interested in other ways that I could potentially lose weight. 
So I found the ketogenic diet and I realized that I could just not eat carbs. I also realized that I could try intermittent fasting. So I experimented with these um, a little bit and I got results really quickly again in that results for me meant losing weight. Um, and people started commenting a lot. So people would say things like, oh, well, like you've really um, gained a lot of muscle. Um, have you been lifting weights? And I'd be like, no, I've just been training a lot, not eating as much. Um, because one of the things that happens when you lose weight is that it does accentuate the look of your muscles because there's less fat surrounding the area. Um, so people started saying things like that. Um, some people also said things like, um, you know, I never thought that you were overweight before, but now that you've lost this weight, um, I think you look so much better, like you look amazing. I had somebody else say, um, you know, I can't believe how athletic your body is. Like not a lot of girls have this really, really tight athletic physique like you've got. Um, and those comments were really difficult for me because on the one hand, they were compliments. Um, and so I loved receiving them. But I also knew what I was doing in order to maintain the weight that was um, accommodating those kinds of comments. And it wasn't healthy. I knew it wasn't healthy um, because I was absolutely obsessed with tracking my food, with you know planning everything that I did around cooking and eating or not eating um training an overwhelming amount i was getting sick a lot and so i knew that i wasn't really healthy despite what people were telling me how healthy that i looked but the the tricky thing about comments like that and compliments like that is that for me i was terrified of losing that because i thought well you know if i look good now then that must mean that i looked bad before it was a very binary way of looking at things and it made me so scared to gain any weight um i was chronically under eating though um and what typically tends to happen when you go through phases of extreme calorie restriction or at least what happened for me was that i would get really really hungry um or i would also go through um what for me was my binge eating kind of vicious cycle. Um, so what would happen for me at that time was I would miss training for some reason. First of all, I would set my expectation for the week for the quantity of training sessions that I would be able to do at unreasonably high. Um, I couldn't justify missing any particular training sessions. So you know, I would plan my week to train you know, six days a week, sometimes multiple sessions in a day. And if I would finish work, because I was working full time, if I would finish work and be pretty exhausted and then be like, oh, I just want to go home and go home. I would, I remember I would sit on the couch in this kind of like indecisive state where I'd be like, oh, I want to go, but I really need to rest. And then time's passing as you're doing that. And all of a sudden, you know, now you're too late to make it to class on time. And so you just decide, well, I'm not going to go. Um, but then I had all this time on my hands that I didn't know how to fill. And I really, really struggled with sitting with stillness. I always wanted to be on the go and doing something. Um, just being, being a, a human being instead of a human doing was really difficult for me. 
Um, and that would trigger a binge for me. That would trigger me to eat, um, which would in turn trigger the next day for me to restrict my calories significantly to whatever I considered was the absolute bare minimum to try and undo the previous day. And then because I was under eating and over training that I would miss other sessions because I was burnt out and exhausted. And so that was the vicious cycle that I got stuck in. Um, and so you can already kind of see how my martial arts training fed into that is because it wasn't just that I was going to the gym, um, to work out, to try and look good, which I did for a, a number of years before I got into Muay Thai in particular, that was like a period between me doing karate and Muay Thai where I was much more into, um, going to the gym and strength training, um, for aesthetic reasons primarily, but I at that point was very heavily into sparring and training, um, like, you know, going to the competition based classes. So like the Friday night sparring, which was like really, really high intensity, very much geared towards competition. Uh, and then I went to Thailand, um, and trained multiple times a day. Um, probably lost even more weight came back from Thailand and decided to compete. And that's where then started some of my, um, I guess really scary times because when I came back from Thailand, I was quite underweight, um, already. And I told my coach what weight that I was and said that I wanted to compete. Um, and he said, well, you know, if that's what weight you are right now, you can probably compete at another three kilos below that because there's a dehydration process that you go through, um, when you compete in you know, more pro level Muay Thai, kickboxing, MMA, boxing, where the weigh-ins are 24 hours before the fight. And so it's really common practice for people to do these really dangerous dehydrations. So he said, you know, you can lose a little bit more and also like you'll be able to lose water like three kilos is easy you'll be able to do that no worries and I was like okay whatever you think um and I remember like you know doing things like moving house I remember moving house and I just didn't eat the whole day because I was so scared that I wasn't going to make the weight um and I remember just being you know like exhausted our lift broke and I was moving into the fifth floor. And so I had to go up and down the stairs with all of my belongings. Um, and then at the end of all of it, I didn't even have a fridge. Um, I didn't have a fridge yet when I moved. And so I didn't have any way to store food. So I just wouldn't eat, um, where I would just go out and eat like a dinner where I would go to a restaurant and order, salmon and some green vegetables or something like that. And that's all I would have for the day. Um, then comes the actual week of the fight where you start to do things where you manipulate water and salt in order to do a deliberate dehydration. And oftentimes that will end in spending some time in the sauna. Um, and my first time I had no idea what I was doing. Like a lot of people have kind of got it down to a science or more of a bro science really, but there's, um, certainly some principles that people use around manipulation of sodium and glycogen, um, water loading, things like that. Um, so I did that while working and I remember most people take the day off when they're going to do a weigh in, but I didn't realize what it was going to entail. 
and I remember just taking my lunch break from work and lying down on one of the physio beds. I was working at a physio clinic at the time. Um, and just being like, all I have to do is just lie here. Like, I can't eat anything. And what else do you normally do on, you know, your break at work other than eat? I'm just going to lie here and just like hope that I don't get sick or anything like that. Because I felt like, I'm pretty sure I remember that my kidneys were kind of hurting. And then when I finished my shift, um, I think I worked from like six till two. Then I weighed myself and I was still over. So I had to go into the sauna um, and you know, just lose 100 grams at a time, you know, 15 minutes, check 100 grams. And I think I had to lose a kilo or something like that in total in, in that weight cut. It was really tough, um, but I managed to make it, you know, and a lot of people gave me, again, a lot of really positive comments um, about my weight. And then I got really, really obsessed with needing to stay close to my fight weight. So what happened for me, how it related to martial arts in particular was, I decided, okay, that's the weight that I need to fight at. So I said the number, I was like, okay, that's going to be my fighting weight. Um, there's no way that I can just enter next time at a higher weight. That didn't even cross my mind. What I thought was, all right, I'm walking around too big. I need to maintain a lower body fat percentage. So it's easier for me to do the weight cut um, on the week of, so I don't have to do too much of the dehydration. Um, so that's a big part of it fueling me getting stuck in this cycle of really, really restricting my food and overtraining, under eating. Um, my period had vanished at that point, had been gone for quite a while. Um, I think it had come back for a brief moment when I had gained some weight when I first moved to Melbourne. It was kind of being at a little bit of a healthier weight. Um, and then vanished again and I would in in that case lose my period for about three and a half years was the total amount of time that my body considered that I was too small to you know be able to sustain life um so I fought again I think my second fight I managed to really keep my weight super super low I was really strict um, I trained a lot, I barely ate, um, and I actually woke up on weight a day early, so I didn't have to do the dehydration at all. And I was like, this is perfect, like, this is how it needs to be, maybe a tiny bit heavier than that, just so that, um, you know, then I can rehydrate and be the maximum size, but, um, you know, not making myself unnecessarily tired. And so then my next fight was pretty spot on, I think, in terms of um, doing a little bit of weight cutting um, with the dehydration, but not none, like the one prior to that. And the whole way through this, right, I am barely eating. I definitely refused to eat carbs. I didn't eat carbs for a long time. Um, and I was training a hell of a lot. And I wasn't really sleeping properly either because I was working like sometimes starting at six um, and then I would go, you know, work from six till three and then I would train from, 
you know, like five till eight and then get home and eat late. And so by the time, you know, you're getting to sleep after all of that, you're certainly not getting eight hours, which you definitely need to be able to sustain that kind of high um, output, let alone doing it without having enough fuel. And so I... I basically managed to hide my eating disorder for a long time um, because I could say I was a fighter is the other part to this. So it's not just that um, I needed to do these behaviours in order to maintain the made-up goal that I had, which was that I needed to fight at this given weight. It also enabled me because I could just say to people, you know, if we went out for dinner, or no, I'm not eating, I've got a fight coming up. Or I can't drink alcohol, I've got a fight coming up. Or I can't have that, I have a fight coming up. Um, and people very quickly would just be like, oh, okay, of course. Um, and it, it normalised things, and it really enabled me to the point where it was only once it started to become quite impossible, and I got some really key support from people close to me that things started to change. So... We, I went overseas and we went to Japan and in Japan I was just eating more normally. Um, I was trying to just be in a different country, eat foods. I thought that I had a fight coming up, um, but I didn't because it was, um, or not I thought that I had a fight coming up, but I didn't, but I thought I was going to have a fight soon, but we kept not hearing anything about it. Um, and so I thought, oh, well, if we're not going to have a fight coming up, then I may as well just enjoy my time over here. And that trip was great. Um, I was just eating, training. It was only a few weeks. So, you know, just like a little period of time like that didn't make a huge difference. But when I got back on my flight home, my coach called and asked if I could fight. Um, and I actually ended up missing weight. I... Miss weight because my scales were wrong, so I stopped dehydrating myself any further. Um, but it started to become clear that it was getting harder for me to cut the weight that I needed to be able to cut to keep making the same weight class. Um, and then in my next fight, it, I, it was really, really scary how close that I came to not making the weight and how much I put my health at risk by spending so much time in the sauna while already dehydrated, right? You already go like 24 hours without drinking anything um, after having diluted all the salt from your body, which salt is a critical part of a lot of the functioning within our cells. Uh, and then spending time in the sauna after that, where all you want is to be able to drink while being in the sauna, but you can't drink anything. So after that fight, my partner was really beautiful in... Um, helping me see that um, I guess alternative body types could be beautiful and try and help show me just how um, like just how underweight that I was um, you know for me like I didn't see it right so this is the nature of the disease right the problem is that when I weighed in 
then I was like, oh yeah, I look thin. But the rest of the time, I often was like, I look so overweight. Like, I'm so overweight. I remember I would, like, constantly check my stomach. I would constantly touch it to make sure it, like, hadn't grown. Just checking that, like, it hadn't changed. Or just, like, looking in the mirror to check that I hadn't gained weight. And I, I really didn't think that I was thin. And I was so small. And... He sent me some pictures of um, some fighters in like their off season being like, this could be you, you could look like this. And I was like, they're way skinnier than me. He was like, no, they're not. Like, you don't see. Um, so with his support, then I started eating carbs again. And I switched to training in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu because... I'm really competitive and I knew that if I was training in kickboxing I would want to take another fight and I just really needed to take a break from that. Um, so we went to Bali and I just did like two months of training jujitsu full time but eating um, and he really was like you know eat rice like eat this like encouraging me to eat and it was really hard like gaining the weight was really hard because I already had this thought in my mind that I was overweight um, and then I was deliberately gaining weight while I already thought that I was overweight and that was tough. Um, There's definitely some tough times around that but my period came back um, and I started feeling a lot better and I was like okay like there was something seriously wrong here like I need to work towards sustaining and maintaining this um and I think because of fighting I never even realized that I had such a problem like I never reached out to support from a therapist or anything like that because I was like well I can't stop um I need to be able to do my sport you know like any advice that they're going to give me is going to be pointless for me because I need to be able to compete um, I just, it never even crossed my mind to get help. I'm just really lucky that people around me were able to help me before it got, um, really, really bad. I'm also really lucky that I do weight bearing sport. Um, because one of the problems with having low, low body fat, um, to the point where you lose your period is because your body doesn't produce hormones the way that it does, particularly estrogen which is um, really important in maintaining bone health. And so a lot of people with amenorrhea, which is what it's called when you lose your period, have really low bone density. Um, my bone density has been consistently high and I would get that checked because um, I was a, you know, an exercise scientist and so I had access to participating in studies um, because bone gets strengthened by impact and that could be um, running, jumping in particular, but also lifting weights and of course like smashing your bones into other people as in striking and combat sports. Um, so I was very lucky really in that, um, at least from that perspective, I didn't develop osteopenia or osteoporosis, but a lot of people do. Um, and now, you know, there's, there's no long-term health impacts that I've suffered and I feel really fortunate for that um but it's also really made me quite conscious of the comments that we make and how even well-meaning people saying compliments oftentimes you don't know what's going on for a given person and so 
what you feel like is a compliment can actually really, really mess them up. I think the compliments that I got really screwed with my head. And so I now am just like, nobody's weight is my business. You know, I will never say to someone, hey, you look great. Well, I probably shouldn't even talk in absolutes. Sometimes it's like my gut reaction to be like, oh, you've lost weight. You look great. Because um, we're just so used to saying that in society. But I'm really conscious now of trying to not comment on people's weight, not to say like, hey, you've lost weight. Like, congrats. Because um, you just don't know what someone's done in order to be able to do that and whether or not they're actually healthier right? Uh, it's really hard just to look at someone and assume that their health has improved by the fact that they've lost weight. It might have, but it could, the opposite could also be true. Um, and there are so many different models for what health looks like that you just have no right to comment and really can do a lot of harm in doing so. So I think my, one of my biggest takeaways has been just not commenting on people's weight, knowing how much of an impact that had on me. Um, and now one of my biggest struggles is around like this, I'm still in, in combat sports. So I compete in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and you have to weigh in for that. So I still have to weigh myself sometimes. And I do my best to not weigh myself and then just weigh myself just before the competition and check my weight class and move up or down if I need to. Um, and I've been pretty good at doing that, but sometimes this, there's this like temptation there. That's like, Oh, you could go on a diet again. That could be pretty fun. You know, you could be like, I'm going to drop down because I'm right on the borderline, which I am, right? All I have to lose is 500 grams. Maybe I could do a little diet for that. Um, just trying my hardest to be accountable to myself and to my clients and to be a really good role model for um, being in recovery from struggling with an eating disorder and body image issues. Being like, nope, like even that little temptation is kind of like giving myself an inch that I know I might take a mile. And so I'm really committed to being like, whatever weight I am, that's how I'm going to compete. And if I feel like the other girl is stronger than me, then like, it's on me to get more technical. And it's also on me to get stronger. I can get stronger. Um, I can lift weights. I can do more running. I can train more. There's so many things that I can do that don't require cutting weight again. So that's the journey that I'm on. It's not easy. Um, sometimes I still do like checking. Sometimes I still check my body um, to see if it's okay. I try and practice looking in the mirror and being like, damn girl, you're so sexy. Um, and I oftentimes do believe it. Sometimes I don't. And I think that's the thing that, you know, probably everybody is struggling with. That's what I try to remind myself of. Um, yeah, I, sorry, I kind of feel like I might cry. Um, the whole point of me, I guess, sharing this story is to say that um, you're not alone. In particular, if you think like, oh, I didn't have a clinical eating disorder, like I didn't have to go to hospital, I was never bulimic, you know, um, I didn't have anorexia. It, that doesn't mean that you didn't struggle with an eating disorder. That doesn't mean you're not struggling with an eating disorder. Anyone can have an eating disorder no matter how they look. Um, and also just for us as martial artists to be really mindful of how being in sports with weight categories can intersect with our body image and eating disorders 
um, and just being mindful of being supportive and that being supportive means not commenting on people's weight. You might think you're being supportive by commenting, but you're not, and it's just not your business. Um, so do your best to um, integrate some of what you've learned from my story. I know it rambled a little bit. Um, I hope you were able to get some benefit from hearing my experiences. And again, I look forward to sharing our special edition episode as part of Body Image in Eating Disorders Awareness Week. Um, next week that will come out. So keep your eyes and ears open. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day or night or whatever time it is, wherever in the world that you are while listening to this. Um, and just know that you are bloody badass and amazing and I love you. Thank you for being part of the club. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to get in touch, please refer to the information in the show notes. If you'd like to support this podcast, please consider leaving us a review or subscribing on whichever platforms you use to listen or watch the podcast. The Conscious Combat Club acknowledges the traditional owners of the lands in which we work, live and play. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. We'd like to say thank you to Nari for the beautiful song Shape Me heard at the beginning and end of every episode. Nobody if you'd shapes like to me. Connect with Nari. But me. Find her on Instagram at Nari don't gotta tell you what my name is, I don't gotta explain it Walk in the room, hear a boom erupting like I'm famous I'm here shedding shells, I'm shameless I fear nothing, no complacence Walk to many tight ropes with no hope, so I became this Poster they hold over all the heads of trauma holders You don't need to know my history, I move boulders Atlas shrug, cause I lifted the weight above his shoulders No pretense of defense, move first like chess soldiers This goes deeper than empowerment, cause I'm the one that power it Physical meets mental challenge me to keep devouring If I can't change the scenery, at least I change perspectives No longer isolated, but elevated and selective Darkest places become beautiful spaces This is where rage meets patience Meets power meets gracious Meets, we're so glad you came in, the feeling is contagious When you the walking impact of intended bad intentions When you the manifesting of collecting all they tensions You the soul and body hold it all and still remember But I'm a work in progress, testament to all contenders Forgot what it was like to have control over self Forgot what it was like to be the one in charge Forgot in my reflection I could see all my wealth Forgot that with my bare hands I break all these bars Barriers and obstacles, they can't cage me, they can't chronicle all my experiences and reduce them to appearances when i was truly beaten gave myself clearances to fall down mess up and get myself back up i'm not looking for clovers because i don't believe in luck damn you were badass i heard them say it clearly why thank you very much i know now i'm not weary of what's next for me because i expect to see growth like i was planted watered fed and bloomed to be the positivity and accountability Knowing they won't step if I'm the agent of my agency I think I found my voice again, huh? I think I found my voice again, huh? I'm not sorry 
I'm not sorry, you're the end where I begin Boundaries, I know them well Take a breath and meditate Who is she? I know her well Now I get to open gates One, two, one, two I don't need your permission And if you get uncomfortable Then use your intuition To know that I won't stay Where respect is ever missing And everything I do That's me making decisions It's truly underrated The value of self-worth Forgot that I was rich From the moment of my birth A penny for my thoughts No, really, you can't afford it You cannot buy my story Rewrite it, hold record it You cannot buy my story Rewrite it, hold record it, huh?